1: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DW, Void are prohibited by law. See terms and
0: conditions 18. Plus. It was a cold rainy night in Bedford. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what is up? My name is Brian Anthony Davis. The guy waving vociferously at the bottom is Tony Defio, and if this is audio only, Tony is waving, and since you can't see it, he's got an American flag, he's got fireworks, he is all decked out for July 4th. No, he's not, but he's got the Pirates hat on, which uh, he's, re- he's repping the Buccos, and speaking, go, of Bucks. A, speaking of America, you've got a guy wearing an Iron Man shirt. And there's nothing uh, more American than Marvel. Is Captain America on that shirt somewhere?
2: Yes, See in the bottom there. Okay, oh, yeah, I there didn't even go. notice uh, that. Oh, that's a great shirt. You know, <laughs> so, uh, if I may interject, one of my favorite stories I ever wrote for the fan post side. Because if I put it on the regular post or regular page, I'd probably get fired. Was the uh, one called the Incredible Hulk breaks breaks the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I, <laughs> I based it on. The uh, TV show, so it's one of my favorite things I ever wrote, so that reminds me. I'm a big fan. That's a great shirt, Shannon. Sorry sorry to interrupt. The the
3: Hawks, my favorite, so oh, wow. I agree with you, yes.
2: Okay, I, I've got to find that. I am a Captain America
0: guy. My son is a, uh, he's definitely a Tony Stark Iron Man guy, mm-hmm. but I, I like him on it. I've, I've become a Marvel fan in the last couple of years. Love me some Ant-Man. That's just mm-hmm. some good stuff there. But I got to tell you, Thor's coming out this weekend, and yes. I'm looking forward to the new Thor. Uh, always quite—they're humorous to me too, so it's mm-hmm. good stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, I never mentioned his name, so because Tony interjected, and I do want to check out that article. But Tony, his name is Shannon White, and Shannon White is with us as always. Gosh, I'm not sure the exact date, but I think this is this has been a year of Shannon with Tony and Brian on mondays on the hangover and so if it's not exactly a year to the date happy anniversary shannon just gonna say thank you a great addition to the show and i gosh i'm i'm looking at the comments the other day they're uh and I'm, i'm seeing comments for the uh the curtain call and they're like hey this is this is our favorite show this is the best show on btsc so and then somebody else wrote love Shannon. You know, so I mean, I I love to hear that. If you have not caught Shannon and Jeffrey Benedict on the Curtain Call, fantastic show. It's going to turn back into Know Your Enemy once once we get into the season. And Know Your Enemy is probably one of my favorite shows on the network, not because I came up with the idea for Know Your Enemy, because it used to be my article. I used to write an article called Know Your Enemy just because I like the like the song by Green Day, love love <laughs> me some Green Day, um, but they talk every single week to somebody that is repping the uh, opposition. So that's something that you'll have to look out for in just a few weeks. I mean, that's the season's coming up, and mm-hmm. we're gonna be in camp in twenty two days, fellas. Crazy. I, yeah. I, I tell you what, and BTSC is gonna have everything for you. So make sure you check that out. <laughs> guys we're excited for camp but we've got to talk about first today being july 4th and i wish everybody a safe and happy holiday i i've read some stuff today going around the nation that uh uh thoughts and prayers going out to uh the people in illinois that tragedy at a parade um absolutely uh devastating and i just want you all to remember uh why we celebrate this day and celebrate our independence, but remember when you have independence and you have freedom, remember to protect the freedom of others as well. And that's one of the things that we were protecting on July 4th, 1776 on our nation's birthday. So let's get started. Gentlemen, camp is upon us. And hey, I, I can ask you the questions that we've been talking about for a long time, What should we expect for training camp? Who's going to be a surprise? What's going to happen with the defense? Is it going to be a juggernaut now that Brian Flores is there? Who's going to be starting at quarterback? We could talk about all of that stuff. And that's stuff that we've talked about and we're going to continue to talk about. And we're going to get a refresh once we get to camp. That's going to be really cool. We're going to have all kinds of new stories to be talking about. The question I want to ask you before we get into the topic of the show do you expect any surprises in the next 3 weeks and 1 day Shannon I'm going to start with you I hope
3: not
4: <laughs>
3: cuz that's this this time of year I think they're pretty much set with the roster that they're going to go into camp with at least and then see how the guys look you know at actual camp and and that'll show if they have a position they really think they need to a, a free agents or a trade but yeah i, I don't want to hear about any arrests <laughs> or anything like that so i don't want any surprises between now and camp
0: tony what is up
2: not a whole lot just uh enjoying the ac it's really hot outside that's great I'm, I'm happy fourth to everybody out there as far as uh any surprises um I don't really see any. I mean, I know people want people keep beating that left tackle drum, the the uh, left and right tackle drums. So that you might see something. It wouldn't surprise me the way they've operated the last few years, but uh, I think they're going to wait, like Shannon said, kind of see what they have once they get to camp, and then maybe make some decisions after that.
0: Yeah, Tony, I, I want to talk about what you just said there, and it's <laughs> very true what you just said, but they have reacted the last couple years and they've reacted because of David DeCastro's release. Mm -hmm. And then also day before they got started going into camp, that was a reaction because Vinnie Williams retired right Right. before they start camp. So Melvin Ingram, the third was brought in as a reaction. And I still think that was a good signing. Did it work out? No, because There was a, uh, because really there, I don't think they had time to set the expectations and the uh, player had different expectations than the organization. Right. And that's, I understand that I'm not going to pin. I am not going to go ahead and uh, pin blame for that not working out. Hey, go ahead and take a look at uh, Connor Hayward. If you like Connor Hayward, He's a—he's uh, the guy they got in that trade. And I don't think Melvin Ingram continuing to be here would have changed anything for the Steelers and the Steelers' fortunes going down the stretch. So, you know, did that work out? No. Was that a good signing? Yeah, I thought that was a good signing as a reaction to Vince Williams. I also thought Trey Turner was a good signing as a reaction to David DeCastro.
4: right? And
0: to me, I mean was Trey Turner great for this organization? Absolutely not. Did Trey Turner fill a hole admirably? Eh, I think so. Some people will say no, but what happens if you don't have Trey Turner last year? It's even worse of a situation, I think gentlemen. So not all signings are great signings, but imagine what happens if you don't make those signings. Um, what could have happened with the whole Melvin Ingram the third situation? That could have been an absolutely great signing, if uh, if they were on on the uh, same page.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, if they were on the same page, maybe that ends
2: up being great. But and that's go ahead, Tony. And and what's so what's so sorry? What's so uh, intriguing or uh, not even intriguing, but but weird about that situation is he had you know, such a large percentage of the snaps for a backup. And I realized a lot of it was due to injury, but he was also getting uh, enough playing time. Even when, when both got both the starters were, were, were healthy. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he was brought in here to be a backup. I mean, I think that that's, and that's a slippery slope when you, when you sign these uh, veterans who, who have an impressive resume, you know, they might come in and think secretly like, Hey, I can beat this Alex Highsmith kid out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that. And I think that was Ingram's So That's, that's the only cautionary tell I think when it comes to, or one of them, anyway, when it comes to signing somebody like that, you know, who's sitting out there this late in, in the offseason.
0: Yeah, you, you need to go ahead and look at expectations. Shannon, you know, we talked about the uh, right tackle and left tackle situation. We talked about the fact that, you know, that name Eric Fisher is out there. I think Eric Fisher is one of those guys that if he could bring in, he could do well. But do you think they worry about You know the allocation of snaps in time when they uh, approach a player like that, who is a Super Bowl champion, a former first overall pick. Do you think they worry about that, or they just roll the dice and bring a guy like that in if they decide to?
3: I think it's a were they're such a young team. The, the The whole face is the the team has changed, not just with Ben leaving, but they're just they're such a young franchise now. And I think that you have a guy with so much potential in Dan Moore Jr. based on what he did last year. I don't think – I think you want to – he's got a full season under his belt. Now you want to see what can he do in year two after a full offseason to work on his weaknesses and, and that experience that he's got that he did not have last year. I expect him to take a really good step forward. Then with the new offense and the new requirements and the more mobile – where they want to rely more on mobility and and instead of just straight brute force, hopefully that will fit a core skill set much better. So and he's only 24 years old, even though he's played four years, he's such a talented young athlete. I think that they they're, they would be wise to stick with these two young guys because the guys that are out there, let's say Fisher, if he's the best of the bunch, you kind of know what he can do. But is he going to be happy to come in and be a backup? You know, they went through that, like you said, with Ingram last year. So So, I I expect them to go into it with and stick with Moore and Jukes.
0: Yes, and I, I agree with you on that. But if they decide to do that, Tony, is that a reactionary decision that needs to be done maybe 10 days after camp starts if they're not loving what is going on at the time?
2: I think at that point it would be because you know as Shannon said you have I mean Dan Moore he had such he gained such valuable experience last year as at the left at left tackle I mean that's a arguably the most important position on the offensive line and he came in and and he he did fine I don't know why more people aren't excited about the guy I mean in in years past that's a guy you'd be really excited about coming into a second year Uh, so I think it'd be more uh, reactionary and and you paid Shook's you know the money you paid him and i realized they could get out of that contract after one year uh, and not you know hurt themselves too much but i think yeah 10 days in the camp that would be a reaction i think you, i want to see what they have in these young guys uh i'm i'm perfectly fine with joe Haig as the swing tackle maybe other people aren't but but i don't i don't see eric fisher wanting to come in here and 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 be the swing tackle or whatever i think he'd want to come in here and start <laughs>
0: So I'm looking in the live chat right now and I'm seeing Tate boys, our buddy Tate boys. If you have not checked out his show, I absolutely love. We run the North. It is a great show. He uh, brings in different folks. He had Brandon Harriet, who has been a few times on the show who represents Cincinnati, who I think he does a very good job in um, talking about the teams from the North Tate boys, Kevin Tate, one of the best. I just want to show up. uh, He's agreeing with Shannon. So there you go. In fact, I think we are all agreeing with Shannon on this, but it is a reactionary thing if something happens. Also, another bts ear that I am seeing in the live chat: our boy from down under, Marky D. So <laughs> definitely say hello to Marky <laughs> D. and a good friend of the shows, and you're going to hear more from him, state of the Steelers as well. So uh, definitely, I want to I want to just show appreciation to uh, our shows. And the guys on our shows, on our network, that go and support our shows. So thank you so much for being in the live chat, gentlemen. So we brought up somebody, Dan Moore Jr. Would you say, and I'm going to start with you, Tony, on this one. Would you say that Dan Moore Jr. going into his second year is not appreciated? Whether it be by the team or by the fans, or maybe he's appreciated by the team because he's given a, they have not brought another guy in, but or maybe the fans keep on saying that all right, a tackle, they don't have enough. Uh,
2: yeah, I think I think the team seems to be showing confidence in him because they, as you said, they didn't really draft anybody and they didn't bring in any kind of a high profile free agent, and you still have guys like Eric, Eric Fisher out there. Uh, As far as the fans, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think uh, on, you know, uh, as a whole, I don't think the fans are are on board with, with him. I think they're still calling for, for uh, them to bring in other people. I saw, you know, obviously Eric Fisher, that that article was written by somebody last week. And I saw another one the other day about them making a trade for, uh, for somebody. And that was very popular. So I think the fans are still uh, by and large, they're still concerned about, about, the offensive line and namely the uh the tackle position, and I think they still want to bring in they want them to bring in some not just for depth but to start. So I don't think they're they're as confident in Dan Moore as maybe I think they should be, and definitely not confident in shoots. I don't think they're confident in him at all.
0: Shannon White, us as fans, are we just not do we when a hole gets filled and the Larry Ogan Joby signing? filled a hole because we were not a lot of fans weren't ready to go in with Chris Wormley full-time because of uh, the run-stopping lack of ability that he has. Um, So the team absolutely agreed and went and brought a guy in. So when that happens, do the fans just go and look and say, all right, where else could we have a problem? Not that there is a problem, but all right, we definitely need this guy. And I'm the guy who, uh, there's a few of us screaming for an, another backup running back. Because I don't think that's uh, that's adequate, what the, the team has. So I go and I'm looking for a backup running back right now. But do you think that when the fans go ahead and see a position filled, then they... I immediately have to go and look for the next project, the next hole that needs to be filled. Shannon.
3: I, I think after the last three years, stellar fans were passionate if for anything. And we want to see the team perform up to what, well, you know, if, if you're a younger fan, the only quarterback you maybe have ever known is Ben Roethlisberger. And if you're a fan, let uh, say of our age group, You've you've we've went through ups and downs and and but there's some things we've always counted on and that'd be a tough defense and a strong running game that uh, that's been a reputation for the longest time. Well, when you seen a year like last year where you had the worst offensive line in the league and the worst defensive line as far as the run stopping, uh, the worst run defense I should say in the in the NFL you realize that those are the foundations of any successful team. So everybody's has the best intentions. You want to see them rebuild their foundation. So I think that's why that after watching last year, nobody can say I'm comfortable with this offensive line. There has to be changes. And we've all seen the changes they made to the interior and they've added talent and, and hopefully they've really strengthened it because there was too much pressure coming up the middle. And they also couldn't open holes in the middle, but now, you know, it's natural that we want to remember, it seems like the the bad times stick in our mind and we remember the games were more struggle, you know, where he was barely, uh, you know, keeping uh, Garrett from killing Ben, you know, in, in under two seconds. But if you were, if you really were watching, he got better as the year went along And that second time he went up against Garrett, he played much, much better. And so I, I think that, that people are just like, I remember last year, they might not have followed us closely in the off season and realized that the stores have made a lot of improvement. And we want to see them, you know, offensive line David's line, you know, or as you say, backup running back, but, I can't judge any of the skill position players based on the last year's offense because it, none of the running backs looked good other than Harris, and you know he had to do Herculean things to be successful. So, I you know the Steelers will have to decide if Benny Snell and and McFarland and, and these undrafted guys if they can be the answer because you, they really haven't had a fair opportunity to be honest.
0: Tony, who do you feel is the most underappreciated on this team right now? Where did we just hit it? Is it Dan Moore Jr.? Is there somebody else on this team that you feel does not get the appreciation that they deserve?
2: Well, I think you hit on it uh, in the, in the pre production of the show. We were talking about off off air and that's Terrell Edmonds. I mean, look at how many people were clamoring for uh, them to sign the Honey Badger <laughs> back in the wintertime and You know, I think Edmonds is the fine, young, solid player. So I I think he's somebody that has never gotten his due here. We all know he was overdrafted. We all know uh, he probably should have been drafted in the second or third round. And if he would have been drafted there, he would have been appreciated more. But, you know, even having said that, he's still a fine, solid player. And he's not a liability. So I think he is definitely their most uh, underappreciated player on the entire 53-man roster.
0: Shannon, what does Terrell Edmonds need to do to become a fan favorite or get more appreciation, or does it even matter to Terrell Edmonds as long as the team continues to bring him on? I know he's on a one-year deal, but he's auditioning. He's auditioning for other teams, but he is mainly auditioning for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a permanent role here. What does this guy have to do, man?
3: Turnovers. Splash plays. I mean, if he if he would have made splash plays more frequently, the Steelers would have picked up the option and they wouldn't have been able to afford him. But because he doesn't, and he's just solid all around, solid teammate, solid, reliable, durable. He does everything but make splash plays. <laughs> uh he's great in covering the tight end. Again. Uh, a real weakness for the team until he came on board. Uh, as Tony said, he's considered overdraft. He was overdrafted. Uh, I've, I think guys speaking in the first round, starter like Edwards is. I don't consider that being overdrafted because there's a lot of first round selections that bomb, mm-hmm. and not just quarterbacks. And so I think Edwards has been a, a solid player. And now this year, if he shows, you know, he gets a few turnovers you know whether it be forced fumbles interceptions uh i think the market might be there for him but it's affecting him obviously because he didn't have a big market this year in free agency even though i think he's a really solid player so i think he's more valuable to the Steelers than he was other things you know shannon
0: i want to ask you a follow-up on this you know it took honey badger a long time to sign too And it seemed like safeties did not fly off the shelf right away. In other years, they do. So what was it about safeties this year that didn't get their acclaim? And now, after Minka Fitzpatrick signs the big deal, you're seeing other teams approach their safeties and now getting ready to pay them
3: and wanting to pay them more. Yeah, I think a lot of people was waiting – they wanted to have the first, they didn't want to be the one to set the market. Like this offseason, the Jacksonville Jaguars set the new wide receiver market and they set it high hmm. because, you know, they overpaid for some guys and nobody wanted to do that as safety. And uh, now that, you know, um, Honey Badger signed and, uh, as you said, Fitzpatrick, now you're seeing other teams saying, okay, we got a baseline. Now we'll lock these guys up. But uh, a safety like Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, we know what his value is, and when you have he is such Edwards is such a good running mate and a partner for Fitzpatrick. There's absolutely no way he the store should have got him at the price they got him. It was almost insulting. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I feel sorry for him uh, because he he's worth more than that.
0: You know, Tony, the Steelers also on draft day, and this was an under-the-radar signing because right after they made their seventh pick, they announced that they were going to be signing Demonte Kazee, or at least Kazee's agent announced it, and they didn't really announce that signing until Monday, but they made that move, and by bringing in a guy like Damante Kazee, do you think that is a slight to a guy like... Terrell Edmonds or are you more like coach KT Smith who loves the idea of of the fact that this team might use three safety sets
2: honestly based on the way um Kevin Colbert didn't didn't exactly give uh, Edmonds a ringing endorsement during the offseason when he talked about him and of course the the figures that they the figure that they signed him for two and a half million for a one-year deal uh yeah i think that's a that's a a slight and i think it's a it's a uh an indication that they're not happy with the st- strong safety position and they feel like they can they can get better there and maybe if not with edmonds with with somebody else i think they're they're still searching for a, a an upgrade and i don't think they feel at this point that edmonds is is the answer, which again, like Shannon said, it's, it's like, I can't believe I got, you know, usually the way these teams operate in free agency, the NFL, I mean, they overpay for everybody (laughs) just about, (laughs) except for in 2021, because of the the, the cap issues with the pandemic. But this year, everything was back to normal. And a guy like that, a solid young guy who who contributes uh, in ways that people don't realize, like Shannon always points out, you know, covering the tight end, which was a major weakness for them for so many years. And the fact that he didn't get a a, a solid starting uh, uh, multi-year contract for a starter. It's just, it's just, I I, I just can't believe it. So I think Kazi is definitely somebody who's here to potentially uh, take Edmund's job. If not this year, then maybe uh, after this year.
0: Oh, wow. Very interesting stuff there. You know, the, the thing, and this is another one of the Brian Anthony Davis uh, questions that really can't be answered, but this guy's led the team in defensive snaps the, since basically since he's been here. Yeah. And imagine if he's not in there. Imagine right. imagine how tight ends could have torn this team up. Mark Andrews does well against the Steelers, but he didn't tear that tear them up this year. Kelsey right. didn't really tear them up this year. Right? Kelsey's going to be Kelsey, but yeah. They 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 held Kelsey a while before before he made some big plays in both of those games. So and I think a lot of that you know comes comes down to the fact that Terrell Edmonds is really good, but he's not splashy like, like you both said, and that probably hurts him here. But I don't want to imagine life without him right now because I think that defense needs a solid unsung hero and I think it is Terrell Edmonds so let's move on to the most underappreciated guys on the team and we're also going to go through history guys that have been unsung heroes for this team that uh, you just don't think of when you even when you think of the Super Bowl champions as well but somebody in the live chat brought this up and and it is Bob Yeager brought up Mason Rudolph (laughs) I think Mason Rudolph is probably the most underappreciated because here's the thing, whether he is your, your starting quarterback, or if he is your number two, he doesn't get the respect in any of those positions. And we saw him as a number two in 2019 be very solid. Then he got his world rocked by Earl Thomas and the Baltimore Ravens and at the end of that season, when Duck Hodges started, let's let's just say it struck midnight on Duck Hodges' Cinderella story, and everybody was clamoring for Mason Rudolph. And when he gets hurt, then there's a then there's a they're lamenting Mason Rudolph, but they sure don't appreciate him when he's healthy. Shannon, your thoughts on Mace?
3: My thoughts on Mace. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I've said it all along, and I think that R- Rudolph can be a good backup quarterback if if he will ever embrace that. Uh, I think that he he's the kind of guy that I think could come in off the bench and and keep you in the game or get you. You know, he's not he's not a, a guy that's going to come in like uh, Fitzpatrick was, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know. A gunslinger—that—that's not who Rudolph is. But uh, I think he has, you know, excellent backup potential. could have a lengthy career that way, kind of like Tommy Maddox. But he—he's not a franchise guy. Um, so I—I I don't know if that means he's underrated or the those of us that see that I—I uh, I wouldn't say he's underappreciated. I, I think it's more uh, the reality of it. But um, one thing I will say real quick about Edmonds, the last thing is Edmonds is not good at his brand. Remember Juju and, and Clay? These guys that are good at selling themselves and their brand, and they focus on that. And Edmonds, he, he's just not like that. He's he's unassuming. Uh, he don't even celebrate after he makes a big tackle or a play. He's He's just very workmanlike. So I think that sometimes you got to toot your own horn to be heard, and that's not Edmunds. So I just wanted to put that in there. But you know what?
0: Minka doesn't really celebrate his brand. And that, I mean, I, I really don't think Minka has that much of a brand. Now, we know TJ does. You know, TJ does celebration. Uh and you know TJ does endorsements. He is a brand, but he does it differently than Juju or Chase Claypool would do. And Chase Claypool's not even doing it as much as a lot of people think that they do. Uh, if you listen to uh, Dave Schofield's podcast from a couple weeks back on the Stat Geek, very telling stuff on that. Uh, very interesting to listen to. Um, actually, uh, not Dave's. Excuse me. Uh, that was Jeff Hartman's on Let's Ride. It was an excellent show. So that's one go back in the ar- archives and archives and check out. But the thing about uh, the thing that you said, and I agree with what you're saying, Shannon, but Pittsburgh's blue collar. And you would think that they're going to celebrate the blue collar guy that is Edmonds. But I think Tony hit it on the head and it's a theory we've had a, a long time that if he was a second or third round draft pick, then, you know, then he's the guy that, that everybody loves. Back to Mason Rudolph, here's a question for you guys. I'm going to ask this to both of you, but I'm going to start with Tony. The game I went to last year, freezing (laughs) rain. It was a freezing rain day. It was against the Detroit Lions. Ben, in the last seconds of Saturday, test positive for COVID. He's out. Mason Rudolph is in. And sure, Mason gets first-team snaps on Wednesdays, but really wasn't involved in the game plan that week leading up to it. That could be an excuse, but as a backup quarterback, you've got to be ready for everything. Another unanswerable question, Tony. Mason pulls off that game and wins that game against Detroit. What happens? Is he appreciated a little bit more as a backup quarterback?
2: I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think people ha- had already made their minds up about him before, before Detroit. And uh, you know, if Deontay doesn't fumble, if Pat Fari doesn't fumble at the very end, maybe it's a different outcome and they win, but just based on his performance as a whole in that game, he didn't really do a whole lot to, to change any minds. And, you know, it's a, it's a, I've said this many times, it's such a, a weird thing with a, a backup, a young backup quarterback, because they really don't get much of a chance to, to develop because they're always on the bench you know so when they come in um uh they're expected you know they have to they have to rise up right to the challenge right away and if they don't then you know when people make their minds up on these guys that their opinion's hard and pretty quick and it's hard to, to change those and he did have a full season basically 10 games or whatever in 2019 but as we talked about back then i mean they really didn't tailor the, they kind of went out of their way to, to play it safe with him instead of really letting uh him cut it loose, even though he was, you know, he was a young guy. He was only in his second year. So he was essentially a rookie since he didn't play at all the the previous year. So um, I don't think it would have mattered. You know, I think this is, this is going to be the life of the relationship between Steelers fans and quarterbacks over the next however many years until they find the next one. I'm sorry, uh, Mitch Trubisky and and Kenny Pickett, but this could be you in the near future. Uh, You know, it's just how it is. I mean uh, we focus on the quarterback and I'm no different than anybody else. But you know, if these guys don't come through, then they're they're gonna be they're gonna be criticized and, and and a guy like Mason Rudolph is never gonna be appreciated until he until he does something um to 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 he has that it moment. Uh God bless him, Charlie Batch. For some reason, he was the only backup quarterback that was able to break the code and, and be a, a backup and everybody loved him, maybe because he was from here. Uh, he had a dog. Everybody knew about the dog, and he, and he, he talked about the dog, so that, that helped. Uh, but he's the only one. I mean, everybody else other than Ben, <laughs> they eventually uh, uh, caught some strays, as they say, uh, from the fans. Uh, I'll give you one more that
0: I thought had the appreciation of fans. It was Mike Tomzak. I think they yeah. gave him some appreciation as a backup quarterback. That might be revisionist history. I I'm not back in time. Um, I know he wasn't the guy they wanted starting in 2006. It was supposed to be Jim Miller. That didn't last long. They knew Cordell was behind them, but i he took that team to an 11-5 record and, or excuse me, a 10-6 record and to the playoffs, but he probably wasn't the guy to lead the team. But I, I think they gave him a lot of respect as a backup quarterback. Shannon, I'll give you real quick on Mason.
3: Well, somebody mentioned it in the comments. Um, the offense has always been built around Ben, and it's going to be anybody that's a backup behind a franchise quarterback, that's the case. So I, I don't want to judge the quarterback play or skill position play behind that offensive line, as we've talked about for the last three years, has been subpar. But the truth is the preseason is pretty much the same for all these backup quarterbacks he's one year he got beat out by Joshua Dobbs outplayed last year it was Haskins you know he, he's had opportunities to at least seize the number two position and and give people confidence that he could be the guy when being left and he he's never been able to do that Um, I say he's selling he's Neil O'Donnell 2.0 I mean, on a really strong team with a great defense, strong running game, he can win games for you, but he's not going to be a franchise guy. So I believe that Trubisky is more talented, and I believe Pickett has more of an opportunity to be a franchise guy than Rudolph. So uh, I, I don't know how much opportunity. I, I believe they're going to give him a chance, but he's going to have to show something quickly at camping in the preseason that he's never showed before to be considered.
0: Now don't get me wrong, I am a, I will be very disappointed if Mason Rudolph is a starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers um ever at this point. I'm not looking for him to be one and I'm just asking the question if he's appreciated.
3: That's it. I
0: mean, I'm yeah. not I I'm not endorsing him. I'm not wearing my number 2 jersey. I'm not I don't <laughs> have a I that's one of the few jerseys I don't have. Go team but, Mason.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: or like, like i said like uh our good friend kyle christ calls him mace <laughs> i think i've never <laughs> heard anybody call mace and now he's become mace and now i called him mace because i'm listening to that <laughs> uh, so let's talk about one more guy here who is appreciated now because it's a situation of don't know what she got until it's gone and it's tyson alu we're thrilled to have him back. But how much was Tyson Alu-Alu appreciated on that line between Stefan Tuitt and Cam Hayward over the years? When he goes out, you're like, wow, we really needed that guy. (laughs) And, but Tyson, very good player for this team. And I, when he left for Jacksonville, the same thing, people realized that, oh yeah, he had a good season last year, but he's older. But they were upset when he left. And when he came back, we were celebrated. We finally celebrated. But we cinderella them. him. We did not know what we had until it was gone as Steeler fans with Tyson. So I think that's a guy that you could look at. I think that could be a thing with a guy like... I'm not seeing all the guys we talked about on this list. But I think with a Terrell Edmonds, yeah, it definitely could be. Real quick, gentlemen. I'm going to give you guys each an opportunity to throw in a player from the past who you feel was the most, who was very underappreciated on this team. Robert Cottings says Joe Gillum. And I absolutely agree. He was just here at a different time and he, he did not. Uh, and Bradshaw who finally got it together. And once he got it together, there was nobody else. There wasn't, Terry Hanratty anymore. There wasn't Joe Gillum anymore. So I, I definitely understand that. I, I thought Joe Gillum could have been a better quarterback in this league. Um, Joe Gillum might have been uh, born too early. That that could be, I always feel that about, about Cordell Stewart. I think if Cordell Stewart was playing in today's football, you would not be, I mean, he would probably be a much bigger player than a Lamar Jackson um, and a, a lot of these players. So gentlemen, I, I basically threw out two right there. Shannon, do you have
3: an underappreciated player from the past? Yeah, this is a guy that I always had so much respect for was Randy Gross. Mm. And, and the reason why, I don't know why with all the talent on those teams, it seemed like, man, it was a key, you know, third and six, third and seven, and everybody's keen on these Hall of Fame receivers and, and Franco and Rock. And it seemed like he's the guy that kept coming through in huge moments so many times. And, and you never hear nobody talk about him because, you know, he wasn't a great athlete. He wasn't a big guy. He was, you know, but man, was he reliable. And, and I've always appreciated those kind of guys because, Without Randy Grossman, they wouldn't have won maybe two of them Super Bowls, but definitely one of them, because the, what a big playoffs he had that one year. And I'm trying to think. I think it was in 78.
0: He was huge in 78. Yeah, he uh, he really came up for the team. But they also, in 77, what do they do? Number one draft pick, Benny Cunningham. Yeah. Tony, I thought that was a good one from Shannon. Tony, what are your thoughts on yours?
2: This might this might surprise people based on what he accomplished here, but I'm bringing you up based on what he accomplished here and that's Jason Gildon when he, he he was a mm-hmm. steady just a great outside linebacker here uh, and he's definitely part of that heritage that they have at the position. Mm-hmm. and when he left here he was the all-time leader in sacks, but yet nobody ever talks about him you know and, and you know you talk obviously there's ham Lamb I mean both inside and outside linebacker there's so many great ones that have come through here but specifically outside linebacker, you know ham, uh, Lloyd, even Merriweather, uh, of course uh, Harrison, uh, PZ, Porter, Porter yeah. uh, obviously you TJ say Lloyd White and Green, Lloyd and Green, yeah, yeah, all those guys, and and Jason Gildon, he comes in, he was he was drafted, and then he was he became Green's replacement when Green left after the uh, Super Bowl year in '95 when he left as a free agent, and he went on, meeting Gildon, he went on to be the all-time sack leader for a Steeler organization with so many great defenses and defensive heroes over the years. That says something, and people just don't ever talk about the guy. So I think he's somebody who, because of what he accomplished here and for such a prestigious position uh, relative to the team, the Steelers, I think you know Jason Gilden is definitely somebody who maybe should be celebrated a, a little bit more.
0: I could go on forever about this. I could throw a bunch of them out. Uh, you know, Definitely John Kolb is a guy that I would bring up. I would actually, uh, this would probably uh, upset a lot of people. I would actually say Dwayne Washington. I thought Mm. Dwayne Washington was uh, definitely one that I thought was definitely underappreciated here. Brian Brown brings up a really good one. Darren Perry, the interception artist, Darren Perry. Lake got all the love. Perry had all the picks. I love it. Mm. Robert (laughs) Cotting's on fire. You could tell that uh, Robert was uh, loving the Steelers in the 70s. Frank Lewis. Yeah, I mean... Frank Lewis was, I mean, Frank Lewis went to the Pro Bowl with Buffalo after he left Pittsburgh, uh-huh. and but they picked up Swan, Stallworth, and they had another guy that I'm going to put on the most underappreciated team, and I know Tony's going to love it when, when I say this, because this is a guy that we love. There, there's two guys, Shannon, that if you know Tony and I, there's two guys that we talk about all the time from the 80s and the one is going to be Frank Pollard. Yes. I knew that one. The other one, the big one, he goes to the USFL, almost gets 2000 yards in a season. Jim Smith. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Tony Tony says that this team might win the Super Bowl in 84 <laughs> if Jim Smith is on that team and not on the USFL.
2: It was a, hey it was such a prolific offense that year uh, with uh, Lips and Stallworth. He had you had Jim Smith in there. I mean, Mark Malone was actually pretty good that year, believe it or not. <laughs> when he when he finally got stepped in there to be the, the starter for David Woodley. So yeah, that could have been that could have been one dynamic offense that rivaled uh, the uh, Dolphins. I know it sounds crazy to say, but yeah, I mean he he could have been a real difference maker mm-hmm. for
0: them. Sherry Richards says Mike Wagner. Of course, he was lost in the shuffle. He he had a lot of Pro Pro Bowls to his name. But I'll bring up that. Robert Cotting, Ernie Holmes, Dwight White. Of course, Mike O'Malley says L.C. Greenwood should be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, absolutely. Um, George Teston brings up Rich Ehrenberg, Ouija Thompson, and, of course, Craig Wolfley. Oh, Gotta love Wolf. Mm-hmm. But I, I really like Rich Ehrenberg, too. I He was something special. Guys, we could probably go on and on on this. I'm going to bring up one last guy. When you're talking Dan Moore, Jr., who do I compare Dan Moore jr to in the past they have the same number they were a le- he was a later round draft pick and he ended up playing a long time on this offensive line number 65 John Jackson mm.
2: love John Jackson
0: that that was one of my guys too um michael O'Malley says bad has some mad knowledge it's just from man living and breathing this team for all these years. This this is what, this is what impressed me. That's I, uh, I knew these guys because I had football cards and I just, they were my heroes back then. I had 53 heroes. I, I can tell you <laughs> the name of the 12th round pick in 1984. Elton veals just because, just because I can, because I just <laughs> followed that team madly. George uh, Teston says, uh, Terry long as well. Brian Brown, yeah. Merrill Hodge, uh, i love it I, I love talking about the old guys and we'll we'll probably do some stuff like this the next couple of weeks uh, as we're getting ready for camp gentlemen it was a fantastic day thanks for the time mm-hmm. fellas get to your july 4th festivities please enjoy the rest of the day please be safe the rest of the day um remember fireworks uh they can Jason Pierre Paul you, they could take your hand off and you don't want to do that and uh, I'm not saying that as a joke um, it, it happened in Florida over the weekend, somebody lost their hand with fireworks again so be careful with that actually, me, I leave it to the professionals because I would be that guy um, so with that being said, there's three things that you need to do and the number one thing, especially on this day, is be safe but also Be true to yourself. Always be behind the steel curtain. And four, remember why we celebrate Independence Day. I'm going to add that one for today. And you know what? I mean, Roddy Roddy Piper said it best. Just when you think you've got all the answers. And I believe he said, just when you think you've got all the answers. Tony Defiel.
2: We keep changing the questions. Shannon
0: White that's all for us btsc nation we love you happy fourth of july we will see you here next week blessings to you all for shannon for tony
4: it's bad and we're out Stop